0: Okay, you may be seated, thank you. Alright, now last week we were looking a little bit at, uh, at the book of Galatians, and we came across a few things that might have startled you about the grace of God. We turn uh, this morning to the same book of Galatians, chapter 3, and we're going to see that it's not by law, but by grace that God saves you. You cannot be justified or made righteous before God in, by keeping any laws or rules. But you can only rely on God's unmerited favor. Amen? Yes. So the Judaizers were a group of people who came into the early church and they were influencing Christian people by saying you have to become Jewish and keep Jewish laws to be a complete Christian. Uh, it happens today too. People will say to you, you need to join this particular group. You need, to, you need to become part of this sect because we teach the truth and we're the only ones going to heaven. It's okay that you've got Jesus and they add on to you. For most of us sitting here today, it will be something like this. I'm a Christian but I still follow my ancestors because the minute I do that, then I'm complete. I, 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 have, I have salvation and I have my ancestors. There's only one true ancestor. That's Jesus Christ. Amen. And I believe this morning that when we look at this question of salvation, salvation is by, by grace through through faith. Yes, by grace through faith. And we've looked at this word grace over and over again. We're going to read this morning Paul's argument with the Galatian Christians. He's saying to them in, the, in chapter 3 and verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified the Jesus that gives salvation is the Jesus who was crucified this only I want to learn from you did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith so the answer to that is are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? The word suffered means, have you experienced Christ in so many ways? Is that, doesn't that mean anything to you? If indeed it was for nothing or in vain. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law? or by the hearing of faith. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Now this morning I want you to listen carefully to the message because I I understand that it's a little theoretical. But unless I lay down the teaching for you, you're not going to be able to believe the teaching to benefit from it. Amen? Amen. I want you to be alive this morning. Is that right, Ms. Yes. (laughs) I want us to be alive to the Word, be a a recipient to it. Because, you see, Paul says in Galatians 3 and verse, verse 1 to 5, I do not set aside the grace of God. You cannot be a Christian if you're not saved by? And you cannot live the Christian life unless you live it by? By grace, it's all by grace. It was the great preacher D.L. Moody, who was in a hotel room one evening, and he looked out across the street. It was raining, and as he looked, uh, he looked across the street. He saw a beggar, and uh, he went downstairs because it was raining terribly. And he he took his raincoat and his umbrella, and he went and he fetched the man into the portal of the of the of the hotel. And after he'd given him something, some money, and sorted him out, and got a room for him, sorted him out, the guy at the counter said to him, Sir, why this man? Gil Moody turned to him and said, There go I, but for the grace of God. Now let me make the grace of God practical to you. Did Jesus come and, and show us grace? Is there any illustrations in the New Testament of grace? Well, let me go through it with you. And show you very quickly. Titus chapter 2 and verse 1 says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. Hallelujah. You must rejoice. The grace of God has been revealed. The grace of God is here. I'm going to say this to you this morning. In this church this morning, there's got to be a grace happening. Amen? Yes. Secondly, I want us to notice here. uh, The world is in a mess. And God's answer to the mess is grace. Not cheap grace. That grace that was bought at the price of Christ's precious blood. That expense that nobody could pay. The expense of God's Son. That's the answer to the mess in the world today. You see, the question is, I have been changed since... Have I been changed since I trusted in the grace of God. I'm asking you that question. Have your heart, has your heart been changed since you trusted in the grace of God? If you've never let the goodness and the grace of God come into your life, you have nothing. But if you let the goodness and grace of God come into your life by the Holy Spirit, then you have the goodness, the mercy, the love of God in your life. Hallelujah. Well, we move on and notice this um, Here, When you say, I've got God's grace in me, you're actually saying with the Apostle Paul, Christ lives in you. He can't live in you without His grace. Grace. Praise be to God. Well, there was a, a trader many, many years ago, a slave trader by the name of John Newton. And there came a time, he used to trade slaves from all over the world to England. There came a time when he got onto his knees and realized, That he couldn't do that anymore. When he thought about this one little word. The grace of God. Something I didn't earn. I didn't deserve. But God came and opened my eyes. And showed me my sinfulness. That's the grace of God. And all because of my sinfulness. I saw mercy. And because of mercy. I realized the favor of God. And the forgiveness of God. And the love of God. And he wrote this beautiful hymn. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You can't see, know or understand the gospel unless you believe in the grace of God. Amen? Amen. So here this morning I want you to notice that John Newton, um, <clears throat> the famous part of those words, was grace that saved a wretch like me. When have you ever said to God, I'm wretched, naked? Blind! I'm just a thief, a horrible... That's me. You'll only do that when you realize what (coughs) grace is. That was John Newton's experience. Now, you know this character fairly well. His name was Barabbas. Can you see him sitting on his haunches in prison? He tired of sitting like that. He gets up, he looks through the window, and he sees that hill called Golgotha, the place where they put thieves and robbers to death. And says to himself i don't want to look at that anymore because just in a few hours they're going to crucify me and then he hears the noise in the courtyard and they're cheering cheering and he wonders who it is and then he hears crucify him crucify him he wishes wow that's crazy and then there's silence and he hears these words who will i release to you your king or Barabbas. And he holds his breath. And he hears the crowd say, Barabbas. Barabbas. It's about a few minutes later, the door opens. And the guard comes in disgusted. Takes him by the scruff of his neck and throws him out. He Says, get out of here you're free to go and barabbas says why how come he says because of that man jesus you're free it's only in tradition and i'm just putting my bit to it can i see barabbas walking with the crowd to golgotha can i see him realize That man gave me life. That man gave me opportunity to live again. That man took my guilt. That man was gracious enough to take my place. And he's trying to tell everybody as he breaks down, as they put him on the cross, he died for me. He died for me. He died in my place. What have you got? A demonstration of Jesus Christ on the cross to a sinner and a thief a murderer. Can I tell you something? It's enough. Amen. It's enough. Amen. Some of you think you're too bad to come to the cross. Oh my friend this morning it's because of the grace that God pictured and painted at the cross that you and I can come and have amazing grace. He saved a rich like Moranus. When you begin to look at the gospel it's not some easy, cheap kind of believism. No, it's an in-depth, wonderful work of God in Christ on the cross. So look at that. My heart is moved. Because you see, I see that same Jesus has only 11 disciples. How did he get there to that cross? One of them betrayed him. Can you see them at the Last Supper when he points points it out to him? You're going to betray me. But a few hours earlier... He'd taken a towel and all twelve sat there. And Jesus knew in his heart that this man would betray me, put me in the danger line. I would be crucified. But Jesus washes his feet. He makes him part of him in that hour. Beloved, as he does that, grace happened. Grace happened. That's what Jesus came to do when you wash their feet, to show them the unlimited mercy of God. You and I would have said, ha, that criminal, he's not worthy of, he's it. thrown out. My brothers and sisters, my prayer this morning is, we would see the greatness of the grace of Almighty God. That's where the condemned sinner has an extended invitation to come and to trust In all that God did and God gave through this wonderful gift of grace. Now, grace is extended to us in spite of who we are and what we've done. You realize that? Grace is extended to Barabbas. Grace is extended to Judas. You see it in in Scripture. If you've traveled a little bit, you should have met the Amish people. They still live as though they way back in 19 somewhere. They still have horse awesome and cart. They don't have fridges. But they're great people. They're lovely Christian people, many of them. And the story is told that this lovely family have this great daughter. She was just about to graduate from college and she came home. And she was attacked and she was murdered brutally. Not uncommon today, is it? We're trying to to ask the world, why are you touching the flowers of the earth, these beautiful women we had, murdering them by the thousands? She was raped and murdered. The family were broken. The police came. The case was open. They eventually arrested a young man. And the Amish people, they lived fairly secluded. They heard about his home and where he came from. And that same family, That same evening, made a special meal. Wrapped it and went over to that young man's home. Knocked on the door and said, we're so sorry that your son has got himself into this trouble. We thought we'd just extend our love to you. You said, Pastor, you wouldn't catch me near that. But I want to tell you, when the grace of God gets hold of your heart, that's what happens to you. You extend the grace of God to others. No matter how crazy it seems. Because that's God working in and through you. Amen. And so, you see, there was grace enough to cover all his sin. But they stepped out and showed the wonder and the practicalness of God's grace. The last one, I want to take you back to Calvary. I want to see let's show you Jesus dying on that cross. The one thief rails on Christ and said, If you're the Son of God, man, why don't you save us and yourself? But the other one says, Lord. Lord of the kingdom. Lord of all. Won't you remember me when you come into your kingdom? I want to be a subject, Lord Jesus, of your kingdom. The Bible as we read the Word of God, we see the wonderful message of grace. Listen to it. Today. Today you'll be with me in paradise. He had no time to obey the Jewish law. He had no time to be baptized. He had no time to to do a little good deed to Jesus. He didn't have to. Jesus took as it were and he said, My grace is sufficient for you. But I'm so bad, Lord. I'm so unworthy. It's true. But my grace is enough. Hallelujah. I want to say to you today, if you start to realize the depth of God's mighty grace, then you and I would come to the place this morning where we can say with the book of Hebrews, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. Oh, don't miss His mercy. Don't miss His loving kindness. Don't miss that unmerited favor of God. Don't miss it. It's the greatest gift to you and me. Comes the confession of sin. The thief on the cross did that adequately. He confessed sin. And what was his basis? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, I'm a useless, no good, nonsense, rubbish... But remember me, Lord. He confesses who He is. And when you and I confess our sin, we are relying completely, not on what we've done to to, to cancel it, but we are relying completely on the mercy and the grace of God. You know why you're forgiven? Because God's grace and mercy are you. Amen? And that's what it leads to. God's grace is God's overflowing generosity. And you see... When the days of cheques, they have gone out of fashion now. When the cheque was written out, sometimes I was to work in the bank and the cheques would come back. Insufficient funds. Insufficient funding. I repeat the, the, the statement to you. When the cheque is written out by God, for your sin and mine, it's called grace. And my grace is sufficient for any sin that you've ever committed. Hallelujah. Now, many of us think that some people should pay for their sins because they're so bad. But let me remind you that Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, that's unbelievable. Many of us sitting in this room don't believe that with all our heart. You see, we say, no, I don't believe that prisoner who murdered five people in prison can actually be forgiven. Well, I'll tell you, you're talking to man and you're talking out of your own fleshly heart. You see, when you start to read the Bible and understand the Bible, it's God who speaks and says, my grace is sufficient for you. Because if you look at the cross, that's where my son in mercy gave you the opportunity to see how much I love you. And there's no limit to my forgiveness. But we are arrogant, aren't we? I haven't sinned as much as him. But God's grace is sufficient for you then. And it's sufficient for? For that murderer. It's, it's sufficient for the man who killed your own daughter. I never forget, um, the years ago I did the EE 3 training course and uh, there was a lady in, my, in the church I used to go to who took me as a leader. And uh, I used to play soccer with her husband. And I never forget... As we sat down after, we had a cup of tea, we shared together. Their daughter had been killed on this big road. And Henny uh, w- was burdened. I mean, it's his second daughter, she died to 23 years of age. And the young man who crashed into her was arrested. He went to the prison. He sat down with him and wept with him. He said, oh, you, you, you killed my, only, my, my, my second daughter, but I want to tell you something. She's in heaven. And he said, I've come to offer you the same grace that I have received. I'm not worthy either. And, 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 and I can't hate you. And I can't despise you. Because I'm just as bad as you in other ways. And the young man broke down. He said, what are you telling me? He said, there's mercy for you and there's favor for you in the grace of God. God. He knelt down and gave his life to Christ. And then he stood up at his trial and pleaded mitigation. For that young man and as, as an accident not as something he did deliberately oh my friend would you do that i see the grace of god extended in that life and grace is visible and graces are happening in people's lives who are christian yes. amen yes. yes well we move, move on and notice notice something here paul has a gripe with the galatian christians he says oh foolish galatians who bewitched you under whose spell have you come? Now, they're not involved in, in ancestral worship or they're not involved in witchcraft or anything like that. He's just using the term to say they have come under the spell of these Judaizers who say you have to be circumcised to be saved. You've got to be a Jew to be, continue to be saved. The Paul is saying no. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth. What is the truth? That Jesus died on the cross. And purchased the wonderful gift of salvation. And extends that salvation by grace through faith to you and me. You can't receive it by working for it. Amen. Amen? Now it's the same this morning. If I came to you and I do it often. And I said to you here's a gift for you. I pay for it. I wrap it. I offer it to you. You don't put your hand in your pocket and say to me, how much, Pastor? Mm. Well, you guys wouldn't, would you? (laughs) No. (laughs) But I give it to you and I offer you the gift. And still the gift remains in my hand. And uh, (laughs) what do you do? You just let it stay there. The Bible says the gift is to be received. Amen. And when God's grace is extended, you've got to believe... And receive. I find most people don't trust what I'm doing. They think I'm trying to catch them. But God says, My grace is sufficient for you. Go on. I'm extending my grace through my mercy and love to you. Trust me and receive the gift of eternal life. Hallelujah. Well, then this morning I want to ask you Have you received the gift of eternal life? Have you believed in the grace of God? Has the grace happened in your heart? As many as receive Him, to them He gives the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe on His name. You see, many of us, we're trying to please God by our works. Well, I tithe, Lord, and I I fast, and I pray, and that saves me. No, it doesn't save you. You've got to be saved by grace for that to actually work for you. Amen? Yes. So notice the next thing. Many of us are pleasing God by our behavior. The law cannot save you. If you kept the whole law, it still wouldn't save you. It's just pointing out the wrongs in your life. That's all it's doing. Amen? So when you go to some religious place and they say, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, you keep all those and you'll continue, <coughs> then you'll be saved. No? Salvation is by grace through through faith. You trust God to forgive your sin no matter what. No matter. Works means working off the debt. How many of us have tried to work off the debt? Oh God, I'll serve you if you just get me out of this trouble. That means you get me out of this and I'll pay it all back to you. We're not in a works program. We're not on a payback system. God's grace is absolutely free. Do you realize that? Yeah. I thought you'd be out of your seat, jumping to the ceiling. That grace is absolutely free. That yeah. may not be cheap as I say, but let me remind you this morning, the debt is already paid. Why do you want to pay it? It's like you coming to me and say, this is my your birthday present. How much do I owe you? Is that what you do? He says, "In salvation, I paid the debt. Why are you trying to work off the debt with me by doing this and doing that? Cutting your body, wearing a cape, climbing a mountain, walk, putting sh- nails in your shoes, and punishing yourself ascetically, becoming one of those people who punishes your body? Oh, I'm seeking salvation. <laughs> salvation is is bought. It's paid for in Jesus' name. You can only experience grace." By divine favor. It's God's favor. You can only experience grace because of divine mercy. You can only experience grace because that leads to divine forgiveness. You know what the evidence of forgiveness is? Peace in your heart. Think back of your life since you can remember you asked Jesus to forgive you. But that one sin pops up again and again and again. And what is you? What is you? And you try to work it back. And you try to do good. And you join a mission team. And you do this and you give a little more. All for that feeling to go away. You just tell the devil, listen, that feeling has been paid for. I don't owe anymore. Amen. That guilt has been removed. I need to remind you. Jesus not only takes the load, the guilt. But he takes the shame with it. The shame. Of what I was caught in, of what I am. He took the shame with him on the cross of Calvary. And, brothers and sisters, there are three things, and we finished this morning. You and I, as believers, according to that fourth verse, have you experienced so many things for nothing? Have you, as a Christian, seen the grace of God in your life as you prayed and you've asked God and you've grown in a relationship with the living God? It's a spiritual relationship. How does it come? it comes by experience how do you experience god by putting your faith in that which he's done for you are you trusting him if you're trusting him you must experience grace amen you must experience that mercy in your own life you see the experience of faith if trusting christ receiving him how that is the truth Believing Him, that He is the truth. Amen? Yeah, That's what we've got to do. Those two things come together. Without faith, you can't have anything of what God offers. Exactly. Oh, but you say, Pastor, I'm a Baptist. Or I'm a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Makes no difference. I'm a Methodist. I've got it all sorted out. Uh-uh. You've got to be a man or woman of faith who trusts that God did what He did in Christ. For you and for me. He paid it. I didn't. I accept the gift by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. How humbling is that? It's humbling. But it's joyful. Because when you receive Christ and you know your sins are forgiven, you experience the joy of Christ in you. Let me move on and say this to you. Remember the Philippian tailor. He asked the greatest question in the New Testament what must I do to be saved? And Paul's reply is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You're sitting here this morning and you it's nagging you. I don't know how to com- I don't know how to be saved, I don't know how to live saved. Listen, you trust in Jesus Christ. You surrender your life to him today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That is important. Some people come to me and say, Oh, Pastor, I just want to get baptized. Wait a minute, are you saved? If I get baptized, I'll be better. No, 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 no. Baptism doesn't save you. But going through baptism is the evidence that you believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ and that Jesus Christ has saved you and lives in you by His resurrection power. Hallelujah. So grace says Jesus is Alive in me. Amen. If it's not true, don't say amen. Because then you're not a partaker of grace. You're a rejecter of God's grace. Quickly then, through through faith you claim the spiritual relationship. It's only one way to have a relationship with God, says Paul. It's not by keeping Jewish laws. It's not by uh, being circumcised or going to the synagogue every day. You see, that's a fleshly thing. And all religion satisfies your flesh. You wear a cape, you act and walk like Muhammad, you look so good, you walk like Buddha, you act like Confucius. Isn't that right? That's outward, that's flesh. And religion satisfies flesh. Years ago, we had a group called the Blow Rockies. You know who they were? They wore blue hats. Blue dresses, long dresses, high heel shoes. And they were holy people. I didn't say the not. But the only way you knew they were holy was, ah, uh, look Otherwise, that, it was rocky And they thought that the blow-rocky made them holy. No, it's the grace of God that makes you holy. See, outwardly we'd like to satisfy the flesh. Oh, it's me doing this good Christian life. And he said to me, surely, if I trust Jesus am i not supposed to do good works of course you are but those good works are the result of faith in god's grace and mercy. amen yes yeah. it's the working of god and if it's dead in you cry out for mercy you need his grace today and we continue to remind you today that the gospel that was preached to abraham was the gospel of what there's a picture here in the, in the sixth verse, just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Notice Abraham didn't work for salvation. Abraham believed. He believed God. He lived in Mesopotamia. He lived in this great city of idolatry. And God spoke to Abraham. Abraham didn't do this and that and the next thing. You know what he did? He put away his idols and he trusted God. Then he listened to God. And the evidence of Abraham's faith was Abraham's obedience, which is faith. He left Ur of the Chaldees. Where did he go to? He went on a city to a city whose builder and maker was God. He didn't know where he was going, but he was following God. That is the presence of grace. He trusted God. And what did God do? Because he believed God, he put, he put righteousness on Abram's account. He said, "That man is prepared to trust me. He is now right. Before me, and when Abraham sinned, God cleansed him. When Abraham sinned, God cleansed him. Why? Because he was right with God, and that's what happens to you and me when we sin. If we confess our sin, his faith and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because righteousness doesn't come through the works of the law. If you try to work for, for, for righteousness, it'll be filthy righteousness, it'll be unrighteousness. But Abraham believed God. If you and I believe God to make us right with Him, then the things that we do in righteousness. What will he do? Even if we sin, he would continue to cleanse us and keep us righteous, righteous before God. Now that's the blessing you go got with today. Amen. You're righteous before God. You're justified before God. How? By faith in him. Abraham was a man of faith. You're not, you're not justified because you pleased the ancestors and cut up a few cows and sent it along. Or you worship Makumba. You know what Makumba is? Half Catholic, half this religion. And you leave all the fruits out there for for, for all the dead souls to eat. Come on, folks. That's religion. It's not a relationship with the true and the living God. Amen? You see, the just shall live by? Say it again. The just shall live by? This is a response to God's grace. Faith is the response to God's God. I'm going to say to you this morning, believe God. Now, of course, if you have no knowledge of God, there's nothing to believe. But take and read His Word and believe God. Secondly is this. The believer's experience with the Holy Spirit. Paul challenges them. He says here, This only I want to know, to to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He says, now you received Jesus, how? By faith. You received Him crucified. You received Him as the Son of God, the payment for your sin. Yes, we did. How did you receive that? By paying God for salvation? No. Then why do you want to keep the law? And then he challenges them again. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? By the way, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? By? By By faith. You asked the Spirit to fill your life. Amen? Amen. But when you trusted Christ, Included in that package is the work of the Holy Spirit. What does He come to do? In conversion, the Holy Spirit comes. And you see, if this was the thing I could change and do, then it would be a miracle. But it isn't. He's showing you and me here, no religious works can change your heart. Your sinful heart. And wh- wh- what does He say? The Holy Spirit comes, though. And He convicts you of sin. You're convicted of sin. And and, and many of you can testify this morning. The minute I heard the gospel, I was convicted of sin. If you weren't convicted of sin, then you just came to Jesus for a ride along. You have to be convicted of your sin because when you leave and you go out of these doors, you don't go back to your sin. You repented of your sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And you trusted God to take that burden and to forgive you. Well, He convicts of sin. A man, a woman comes to, to God, they're convicted I've sinned before God. No matter what you've done to other people, that's just the evidence that, you, that you're not pleasing God. But you're convicted of sin, I've sinned against God. Because sin you've got is unbelief. You won't believe God that His grace is sufficient for you. Secondly, you've done? He not only tells you you're a sinner, but He convinces you. He convinces you of Christ. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will make. Me great to you. He'll convince you of me. I'm not convinced of Jesus because I just read a few historical uh, chapters from the Bible. I'm convinced of Jesus because the, 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 the verse, John 3 16, for God so loved the world, was taken by the Holy Spirit and imprinted into my life. And oh, I wept to think that He died on the cross for me and still offered me eternal life. I was convinced of Christ and only Christ because only the death of Jesus offers grace. Yeah. Thirdly is this. The Holy Spirit converts me. How? Through the new birth. When the seed of the Word and the power of the Spirit come together, He births a new year. All things pass away. All things become. Oh, is that your experience? It's a grace happening. Hallelujah.
1: It's a grace
0: happening. He didn't just save you from the bottle. He saved you from all your sin. Hallelujah. And the penalty of your sin. But show me now this morning, as we close the, the message of today, that that spiritual relationship is a new relationship from the inside out in the power of the Spirit. I could not all the years that i lived and tried keep the law, work the law, do good, give God this, give God that, to change my life. It would never work. Because it's a spiritual birth, a spiritual work of grace that only God can do if I believed Him for it, if I received it from Him. Amen. Amen. You understand what Paul is saying? No form of outward religion can change, convict you of sin, convert you to christ it's only the spirit of god that can transform your life if you're not being transformed this morning come and believe in jesus come and trust in the holy spirit to change your life this morning the last thing we notice is this uh, as we share here together there are two things that if the christian does in the christian walk. firstly what does the holy spirit do he indwells you But He also fills you for service. As He indwells you, the Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't hurt God by the the way you live. In other words, He'll convict you about the wrong things you still want to do. And you say to God, well, I love this. I've always done it. He says, wait a minute. Don't, Don't do that. And you say, no. I'm not listening to your voice, Lord. That's grieving the Spirit. There's another thing we can do quickly is quench the Spirit. You smokers know what quench means when you're smoking in somebody's company and there comes the people you don't want to see you smoking, you quickly nip it, eh? Is that right? You quench the fire. Stick it in your pocket. Hopefully you quench it right. Okay. So you can grieve God and you can quench the Spirit. Stop the Spirit from working in your life. Why? Because of the sin you want to commit. So the work of the Spirit is not a work of the flesh. The work of the Spirit of God is in your spirit to change your attitude to God, to your sin and to righteousness. You began in the Spirit, says Paul. You began in the Spirit. What's wrong with you? Continue to walk in the Spirit. Live your life led by the Holy Spirit. Don't make your own choices. Big word today. Choices, choices. Make God choices. Let the Spirit lead you to make the right choice in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, quickly we finish today by saying this. Um, The believers finally are sons of the Father. Verse 26. Verse 26 says this. Paul continued to remonstrate them. he says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now quickly, Abraham lived 400 years before the law was given. How many years? 400 years before the law was given. If righteousness came through the law, how did Abraham get right with God? No, he couldn't. Abraham put his faith in God, believed God, obeyed God, and he was credited with righteousness. But my brothers and sisters, that's a wonderful picture. The believer, as I see it, becomes a son of the father Abraham became the friend of God through faith in God that's how you and I become the friend of God that's how you and I become as the verse says sons of God isn't that right and God says to Abraham I'm going to give you a promise you've got to believe this promise I'll make you a great nation a father of a great nation and your seed, seed singular, there's the seed of the Messiah that's going to be in your family line. And you see, every Jew would trust God for that working in their life. The trust in the promise to Abraham. But when it was fulfilled in Christ, we still thank God for the seed that God gave Abraham, Jesus Christ, to the world. And we've become sons and daughters Of the Jewish nation? No. But sons and daughters of the living? God. And there's an extension in the New Testament. You are a child of God. If you're a child of God, you are chosen by God. Now, the little word adoption comes into play. I just want to quickly close by telling you this. Father Abraham came into a covenant... With God. He came in, and all that was in that covenant was promised to him and his seed forever and ever. The same as when you were born, and if your parents have anything after, you, after they die, they leave most of those things to you. Am I right, parents? Notice you're not getting anything, young people. They're not leaving it to you. It's sad, isn't it? Okay. But that's a testament, your last will and testament. Jesus has died. We're entitled to inherit all that God has in Christ for us. Why? Because we are sons and daughters of the living God. You can't just get any riffraff coming to inherit. By the way, you don't earn your inheritance. It's absolutely free. That's a picture of grace. And so, you and I become a son and a daughter of God. You know, I've looked at the the addicts. When they give their heart to, to Christ, they say... They say, I'm an addict in Christ. They say, No, you're a son of the Father. Wow, what an addict. You're no longer a drunkie. What are you? You're a child of the living God. You've got a new name, a new identity, a new belonging. Hallelujah. Yes. And brothers and sisters, that's exactly what it is. Grace works on your behalf, grace gives you the benefits of salvation. Yes. I read a story some time ago. I identified with it because I see so, so much of it. This little boy was adopted into a family. And when you're adopted, you're chosen by somebody. People go down to Abram Kir, right? Huh? And they line the kid up like cattle. I want that one or that one. Chosen. And God says, You're the chosen generation. You're a royal priest. I chose you. On the slave markets of sin. I chose to save you in my son Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <clears throat> well, during the Second World War, this little boy, this father had three young boys. His wife had died. He'd come back from the war and his boys were in a terrible state. He tried to love them and look after them. But he realized after the after year or so, he couldn't do it. So there was a thing in, in, in New York. They would put these kids on a train. It's called the children's train, the orphan train. And that train would travel all the way through the United States and stop at every station, and the kids would get out. And people who wanted a child would come and choose a child. And this little boy clung on to his, his brothers, his two little brothers. But, of course, they were younger and cuter, and he was a bit older. And eventually, uh, uh, around about Texas, they chose the two little boys and left him. And so the train of his life went on and on. he got over every station, and nobody wanted him. Eventually, as the train came back through Texas, Amarillo, Texas, he got off the station. There was a big burly man and a lady standing. The only people on the station, he got off with a few others. The big burly man went over to him, put his arm around him and said, I want you to become my son. And the boy in his heart said, I'll go home with him and run away. He went home, they cleaned him up, had a haircut, looked good, gave him a room, came to the table. And just before he was about to take food, they said, wait, we want to talk to the father. And he thought, wow, I have a father. This man wants to be my father. Who's the other father? And the lady prayed to the heavenly father. And he suddenly said to himself, wow, that's good. I can talk to that father yeah. about this father, and then we can talk to this father about my father. Wow! And he felt a peace, he says, as the family prayed and they said, "Tuck in, eat." He said to himself, "I won't run away." Well, he never ran away. Because you see, at that table every day, you he heard these words: "You are loved, no matter." What? I want to tell you, Mateo Baptist. that boy heard these words one day, you are my son. Then he heard the words, you're loved no matter what, and he was Godless. All your fears of losing this father's affection are ungrounded. Do you realize you could never lose our Father's affection? Because you're His child. Born of His Spirit. By His grace. Through His mercy. You're part of His forever family. Forever. And forever. Amen. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. That's the way he Final thing at that table that day, that little boy heard these words You have a place at this table for as long as we're here. And the Father says to you and to me in my Father's house, on many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. The Father has a place for you. And this morning, I want to remind you, folks. It's not about what we do to get salvation. It's about how we believe God for salvation. Amen. How we receive the benefits of God's grace and rejoice in it and live it up. When grace happens, God is present. Amen? Amen. Let's bow in prayer together. Brother. Spirit of God, we thank you that as believers we can come into your presence this morning because we are sons and daughters of the Father. We are not misfits in the world. No matter what we've done, Lord, you've accepted us and adopted us into your family. We have the same rights. We have the same equality because God, we're in your family together. It's all by your grace. And I pray this morning that this may sink into the heart, the mind and the spirit of every believer that I'm accepted in the beloved once and forever and for always. I'm loved forevermore. No matter what happens to me. Oh Father, we thank you that we're sons and daughters of the living God. We're not just trophies of God's grace. We are sons and daughters of the living God. I pray this morning... You work in our hearts by Your Spirit. You move us to the place, Lord, where we will not only give, give ourselves faith. to You, but we would surrender to the mightiest work of God in Christ, the grace and the mercy, and receive forgiveness of sin and salvation by grace. Through faith. We bow in prayer. You may be sitting there this morning and you say, I'm like that orphan. I'm on the outside. Hello,